Hello everyone, my name is Vuk and you're listening to the Anablock podcast. This show is exploration of enterprise software, technology and business. We share behind the scenes stories of successful people in the world of technology. When we don't record podcasts, we support clients with implementations of Salesforce applications. For more information about us, please visit anablock.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Cool. Well, Tom, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to be in the podcast. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Sure, I thanks came... for having me. Thank you. I, uh, several months back, um, been sort of exploring different platforms, different ways of actually building like a Web3 application and came across uh, just looked at different products, like kind of different different services, and then came across Morales completely by accident. And I was like pleasantly surprised, and and uh, like immediately kind of started playing around with the with your you know, like uh, SDK. And uh, now we're actually building application. We're sort of leveraging some of the features that Morales platform uh, provides. I'll let you sort of talk more. Uh, into more depth about all of this, but uh, I just wanted to, you know, reach out to you and, and uh, basically introduce you and the platform, the product, the Morales product to the wider audience, because I think it's a very cool feature. If you're building like a Web3 app, like an NFT marketplace, NFT maybe like um, generators and stuff like that, you can definitely leverage this platform. It saves a lot of time, a lot of effort. But let's kind of start off with a very simple question first, like what is Morales? Yeah, sure. So um, so basically Morales is, you can think of it like an all-in-one app development platform. Um, so our goal is really just to significantly reduce the development time that it would typically take you um, to, to build a decentralized app with a more traditional approach. Um, so traditionally, most apps would be built around a node. The node connects your app to the blockchain. Um, and what that means is you have to actually have your own database, your own processes set up that loop through each, uh, each row of the raw data that's in the node. Um, and it's just a lot of architecture and a lot of manual work to, to set that architecture up yourself. Um, so basically, Morales has all of that architecture built in for you. And we boil down all of those features and functionality um, that you would normally want to have into the SDK. So typically, for, for most things, you can just use one line of code rather than having to, to spend a bunch of time on you know, building uh, these processes at yourself. So we've been seeing... On average, I think it's about 80% of uh, time saved when using Morales compared to that more traditional architecture. Very interesting. So, so at what stage would a development team or maybe an agency uh, want to, um, I guess, start playing with uh, SDK in general or the APIs? Um, I guess someone that's very new and wants to kind of start working in the Web3 space, what are some of the steps that you would recommend to take? Yeah, so I mean, to get started, um, we we actually have a Morales Academy. So if depending on how familiar you are already with, with blockchain and Web3, um, we do have an academy. We have a ton of tutorial videos to get started um, if you're not familiar with anything. Um, there's also a free account that you can sign up for. So we want to make sure that that our customers have access to play around with it, to make sure it's a good fit, to follow these tutorials and uh, courses and, and learn uh, to get their app off the ground. 
So I would suggest, yeah, starting with the free plan, um, poking around a little bit with our documentation. Um, as soon as you have the idea, just to get an idea of, of what, you know, what we're capable of and, and um, if it's a good fit. Excellent. Um, and maybe just kind of to um, segue a bit into um, your professional background, uh, when did you join? Uh, you're currently the chief marketing officer at Morales. When did you join Morales? Yeah, I'm, so I'm actually the head of sales and customer success, mm -hmm. um, and I, I joined in December. Okay. Yeah, so so previously, I, I actually worked in more of a traditional uh, e-commerce, in the traditional e-commerce industry, but I've been involved in, in blockchain and crypto for probably about 10 years now. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so were you so really prior... enthusiastic about it. I was happy to make the, the jump. Prior to Morales, were you also in the blockchain space professionally or more as a, I guess, kind of hobbyist slash enthusiast slash uh, investor? Yeah, more of a more of a hobbyist and enthusiast. Um, so it. actually, I found Morales. I was working on a project of my own, um, just you know, getting involved with with NFTs and and understanding um, a little bit more about about those actually building those from the ground up. Um, so I was actually, I think I was looking at maybe two months of work if I actually had to connect to the node and, and do all that work. Um, and that's when I found Morales and I think I completed it in, in less than two weeks. Um, so that's why I was like, wow, this is really, really cool technology. So I should reach out to these guys and, um, you know, see how I can help. Interesting. Is the, um, what did you find actually like sort of, obviously there's like the kind of speed to, um, delivery basically the the whole product life cycle management process i think it's 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 much shorter uh as you described using the mm -hmm. the the pre-build i guess architecture or the nodes uh but what are some other features sort of either that currently exist or maybe that are in the pipeline that you um are able to highlight or talk about that which sort of differentiate Morales maybe from some other platforms that are in general, like helps you as a, as a developer. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say the, the core use case for most apps, um, obviously we already have that included with the SDK. So just basic authentication processes to allow a user um, to log in with their wallet, getting balances from their wallet. Um, you can also connect directly with your smart contract for different functions. Um, but we're also, a lot more focused, I would say, on the community side of things. So we're in the process of opening up the platform into a little bit more of, a, of an open source um, sort of feel. So we'll have, for example, a marketplace um, with multiple plugins that you can use and, and add on to your account, um, kind of like what almost what you would see with WordPress, if you're familiar with that. Yeah. Um, so right now we have a few plugins to start. Um, there's a Fiat on-ramp. On -ramp. So if you want customers to be able to purchase cryptocurrency to, in order to interact with your application, um, they can use that plugin. We also have a one-inch plugin so that you can um, exchange currencies. So basically those plugins, I think, will also be a big part of the ecosystem um, once, once we've scaled this out and included more of the community on, on the open source side. So they can get more involved in the, the uh, infrastructure of the plugins and so on. And then, so currently, uh, Morales platform integrates with multiple blockchain protocols. Uh, can you highlight some of them or do you know maybe which ones are currently available? Yeah, sure. So we have uh, Ethereum, Polygon, um, Binance, Avalanche, uh, Avalanche, and Solana. 
Okay. I think that's all of them. Yeah. And we're always adding more, more chains there. So our goal obviously is to, to support um, all of the most popular chains. Solana was the most recent that we released. Um, but I, I know our team, we have a, a huge team of researchers basically monitoring the market, looking at what our customers are, are interested in and, and what would be the most useful for them. Um, so we're, we're also going to be significantly expanding that uh, chain support over the next year. Okay. And then, so, you know, I guess how easy is it to connect to one of these nodes or maybe to multiple nodes if you're building, let's say, some kind of um, NFT application and you want to have um, flexibility, which NFT collection you might be publishing to a specific something to Ethereum, something to Polygon. Um, how yep. difficult is that process to be configured or easy? I should say through your uh, platform. Yeah, that's it's really simple to do. So basically, um, in the Morales, in your Morales account, you can set up a server, and when you set that server up, it asks you which chains you'd like it to be connected with. Um, so you can actually have a server connected with multiple chains if you wanted to have your application uh, interacting with multiple chains. And then basically, in that line of code, let's say where you're maybe authenticating a user, you would just say which chain you're trying to interact with. Um, but it's all a pretty straightforward process. So as long as you're building with the Morales SDK, that code is there, then it's easy to, if you wanted to switch chains or add more chains in the future, um, as long as that's built with our, our SDK, then you can just reconfigure that in the back end of the account. Yeah, it's a very, you know, very rich platform. I think in just last few months since I've been using it, um, th there's a number of different features that came out our functionalities like including the Solana API. I think that was there like, uh, I think that might be what the, with a more recent release. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of other pretty cool tools. Um, I'm wondering, so you, you um, I've been sort of kind of, you know, going through different blogs and reading a little bit more broader articles and someone there, uh, it's mentioned that you already have in one of the blogs, I forgot to, the name of it, but it's mentioned basically that you currently have 100,000 plus developers building on your platform. I'm curious, you know, what, what are some of the trends that you're seeing or, you know, what are people interested in? What are they building? Is there anything you're able to share? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I guess there's a, a few different points there. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of the the trends, and I, I'd say even more what, what makes a project successful, um, I think the two biggest factors are the community behind the project and, and the community engaging with the project, um, and also just the timing and the time it takes to get to the market. Um, because what we'll see a lot of times with projects is, especially with that more traditional infrastructure that I spoke about earlier, they'll spend so much time trying to build the perfect solution or the perfect game, perfect application, um, really guessing what the market wants. And then obviously there's no way to account for, for all of those different needs and use cases. And um, typically what happens is you'll just spend so much time building, uh, trying to build the perfect solution that by the time you actually release it, you might especially in the crypto industry, things are changing so fast, you might have you know, missed that wave of demand. Um, so we're seeing the most successful projects are actually launching the fastest in like a very early alpha phase, just to get the community involved, just to see the feedback they're getting. And then they're able to just quickly iterate that customer feedback into the application, into the game um, as it's coming in. So that's 
um, from a, I guess, more of a business and a, a marketing perspective, that's great just because you know that your product is, is meeting the needs of the market, but also the community sees that and they get more engaged. They see that they're being heard. They're more interact, they're, they're interacting more and providing more feedback. And it just sort of, you know, compounds on itself. Um, so really, yeah, I would say community and timing are, are probably the biggest, the biggest factors and the biggest, um, trends that we're seeing in terms of success in terms of the actual the use cases and, and types of projects we're seeing um, obviously nfts have been really huge especially over the last year um, so i think that's everyone's probably already pretty familiar with with that and, and heard a lot about that um, but the actual utility of the nfts that's starting to move a little bit more into different spaces so um, for us the biggest one is gaming so having those NFTs, being able to include them in a game, let's say if you, maybe you, you pick up a sword in a game, that's actually connected to your address and you can trade with other players, maybe even take it to other games eventually. Um, so that's been probably one of the, the most popular requests um, that we've been getting from, from customers and new projects signing up with us. Um, and that's also why we actually just released our Unity plugin. So if your game is built on Unity, you can connect it directly through to the, uh, the Morales SDK. So it's it's basically easy to transition to that more decentralized gameplay. Well, wow, that's very interesting. So how does that plugin work actually? Or what's the, what functionality does it enable you? Or as a, I guess, are you targeting sort of with the plugin, the Web3 developers or Unity developers or, or maybe both? It's, it's quickly, I would say it's quickly becoming both. So you have a lot of um, games, even games that have already been um, released that want to move more into that NFT, Web3, blockchain space. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other, the other side of the coin is you have Web3 developers who have a great idea for a game and they want to move into the gaming space. Um, so it's, it's pretty mixed, um, but I think it's probably more game developers that just want to expand the functionality of their their game or their idea. Um, and basically the, the plugin is, is providing, I believe it has pretty much all the same functionality that our SDK has. So again, if you wanted, um, I mean, a big sticking point here for games is just that authentication process, right? So if yep. you have someone playing a video game, you don't want them to have to you know stop every time they pick up a sword or make a trade to sign a transaction. Um, so there's a lot of, it's a different way of thinking about it when you include it in a game. Um, so our team has done a lot of work on, on removing a lot of that friction. Um, so depending on the, the platform that it's on, um, let's say if you're using in Unity, if you're using WebGL, for example, um, then it might use a, a QR code or um, Wallet Connect versus uh, having an actual MetaMask pop up in the browser. There's a bunch of different ways to log in, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, it basically stores that address so that you have that as a, a variable in the environment. Um, and then from there, you can you can read and write back to your Morales database. You can call functions directly. I, I believe you can call functions directly to the blockchain. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really providing that same level of functionality, which is pretty impressive. Well, wow. so I, I would love to unpack this because um, just sort of we obviously for the benefit of the audience have prepared before this uh, call, but I never knew about this specific plugin. Um, at least I wasn't aware of it until until now. <clears throat> anyway, um, a couple of things. What I would like to sort of understand. Obviously, you have like a very um, long sort of uh, exposure and experience with the crypto sort of industry. Um, 
so I'm wondering, like, number one, why is, so I hear from a lot of different sources and a lot of <clears throat> creators in general, um, a lot of people that are in the NFT space, that the gaming is sort of the, the big, big elephant here to attack. Um, I'm wondering why is that the case? Like, why is, you know, gaming so uh, susceptible, I guess, to NFTs? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, there's there's a few different factors. I think one of the biggest would be just all of the, the hype around metaverse and, you know, uh, merging all of these different technologies into one place. So really what gaming has is, uh, it's sort of like a, I guess, a nexus between you have virtual reality, you have um, obviously just the more traditional gaming that that keeps people engaged. Um, and then you also have Web3 all combined into one. So when I'm thinking metaverse, I'm thinking eventually more of like a virtual reality game that connects to other applications, pulls in other NFTs, reads other data like wallet balances and stuff. So I think that is a lot of the conversations I've been having with our, our customers is, is more revolving around creating um, a metaverse space. And then I would say the other half um, is more about just expanding the functionality of the game into Web3. Um, so metaverse is definitely a big factor there, I think. Very interesting. Um, I um, have um, actually experience um, working with Unity um, as a as a consultant, so just on a side note, um, I'm I have basically a consulting company. We really primarily been working in the enterprise software space. So we worked with a number of different clients, including Unity. But then at the same time, um, we're also building a Web three application. So we're kind of operating in two different universes: basically enterprise software and, and blockchain. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering when it comes to like you know platforms like Unity, do you think that the NFTs are going to disrupt their current revenue models? Do you think that they are a threat to their platforms and how they're monetizing these platforms from an operator and a creator perspective? That's a good question. I think. I mean, I'm not as familiar. Maybe you could give me a little bit more background mm-hmm. on the on the the Unity side for you know how how they're getting revenue directly. Is there kind of not a marketplace, but I guess when they're monetizing it, I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, yeah, they're monetizing definitely. it. I think you know, <clears throat> it's no secret. I mean, it's all public information, but it's basically so you have as creators, you're publishing games on their platform. Um, and you're basically monetizing it through, you know, subscription or some kind of sales. And then as operators, you can be basically um, embedding some kind of advertisement of some sort. So some kind of a digital like token where you're advertising maybe something else or basically kind of renting out pixel space on your screen to someone else <clears throat> or within your game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering, NFT, obviously, I, I don't think it directly affects either one. I'm just wondering what kind of disruption is going to create overall, because I'm I'm curious if actually the can coexist in, in the current yeah. manner. Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing another aspect mm-hmm. of that, but it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, just from their, whether it's advertising in the game or, you know, fee, uh, commissions or something Selling like that, just from, yeah. yeah, downloads, all that stuff. I think that will mm-hmm. still happen and it can really act in parallel with having an NFT marketplace mm-hmm. or economy. 
Um, I think, yeah, they'll, they'll definitely coexist. Um, a lot of times the, the in-game purchases, um, I'm not sure how that looks with, with Unity mm -hmm. if they, you know, take cuts from there, but, um, that might be the only area that would change a little bit if the marketplace was built and hosted by the, the game publisher, then obviously, you know, those, those revenues would be going directly back to them. Interesting. If there was like a companion app or something like that. Interesting. What about like, you know, for example, music. So Audius obviously made some headway or a lot of headway in the space of kind of um, transmitting, I guess, peer to peer or distributing the, um, I guess, music on a peer to peer basis. Um, do you see, for example, NFTs embedding, you know, um, like an MP3 files and then do you foresee maybe like NFT music players, technically like something like a cassette player back in the day. So you're basically collecting NFTs and just shuffling them in your cassette player. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a really cool use case and, and definitely something that's been coming up a little more as well. Um, I think I just, I saw recently, um, I think Snoop Dogg actually released some of his tracks as NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, and we do also, I think we also have a tutorial that we released as well um, that relates to that. So basically building a, a kind of like a, a Spotify for NFTs um, because the functionality is very similar. So you're really, mm -hmm. you're, you're still just pulling those NFTs in tracking, you know, who owns what, and then displaying them. And, and the only difference is rather than rendering the image, you're playing the file. Um, so, yeah, I think that's definitely something that's, that's coming as well. Yeah. Got it. Um, Another question, uh, I was wondering, do you know, uh, based on some market research, when you are adding different blockchain protocols, um, is there a specific, I guess, uh, guideline that you follow to determine? Obviously, there's so many now out. Um, some of them are, you know, have different sort of attributes that are maybe slightly better over some another one, et cetera, is, how would you, how do you guys determine basically what to add to your platform? Yeah, that's a, a good question. We, so we have a, a really great research team that's, you know, they're dedicated to keeping up with these trends in the market to um, really anticipating uh, what's, what's happening with different chains, which obviously is, is really difficult to do. Um, and, and a lot of times we might not necessarily pick the right chains if, if we we're trying to get involved too soon. So it, I think it, it definitely requires a certain level of maturity for us to support the chain. Um, so we know for sure that, you know, it's, it's because it is also expensive to support chains um, in the system. So we wanna make sure that if we're investing time and money in supporting these chains that, um, you know, they're gonna be around for a while, they're sustainable. Um, and I think the number one factor for us is, is definitely the customer demand. Um, so just based on, we're frequently having interviews with our customers to see, um, maybe if there are other chains or requirements that they're interested in. Um, and I think, yeah, customer demand would probably be number one, but there's not really a specific criteria or a list of factors that, um, that we go through a list of. Got it. And I'm wondering, so, you know, Morales is basically like an international company. Um, I believe you're based in, or you personally are in the US, but a lot of your mm -hmm. team is distributed globally. Um, where do you see sort of, um, highest sort of uh, acceptance rate or maybe like uh, adoption rate, I should say, of, 
in general, like, you know, crypto wallets and the whole blockchain concept in specific like markets like EU versus United States, for example, or even going a little bit more granular, like some countries or maybe even demographics, millennials versus Gen Xers or whatever might be the case. When you kind of like slice it and dice it, where do you see like the biggest sort of the, the highest adoption rate? That's a good question. I don't know that we have any specific reporting on that, but mm-hmm. just just my own kind of finger in the wind, I would say it's it's honestly really really spread pretty equally um, okay. between you know age of customer, type of customer, location. Um, even at Morales, where it might sound a little cliche, but we're kind of also a decentralized company. So we don't actually have any official headquarters or main office. Um, our founders are in Sweden, but we, I think we're at about a hundred um, employees at the company spread across 40 different countries now. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of just, everyone is, is mixed together from the customer side, from the employee mm-hmm. side. Um, but yeah, I haven't really... I think it's it's honestly really pretty equal, which is good to see. So you're operating as like a DAO, or are you not a like a, not actually technically like a DAO, but um, just more in terms of how we how we view the company. It's oh, I see. Partly because it started, I think during you know everyone was working from home already, so it was mm-hmm. it just worked out uh, as well. But yeah, we're we're rather than focusing on certain locations or saying, you know, the company's based here, let's hire in this area. We're really pulling from a larger pool of talent because we can go anywhere in the world um, and recruit from anywhere in the world. So yeah, we're, we're spread pretty equally. Okay. Is the, um, so kind of going to the, the users, um, the end users, what are basically like some of the kind of highest friction points when it comes to web experience maybe versus I'm, I'm guessing web experience and a web three application is going to be different than um, on a mobile phone or basically like an iPhone and an Android platform. But what are sort of the friction points that would, that are maybe preventing some of the um, users that are maybe a little bit less technical to, to adopt at a higher rate, for example, the whole web three movement. Um, let's see. So there's, Oh, for most applications, there's usually a smart contract that needs to be created for that as well. So a lot of times we'll have someone who's maybe a little more familiar with development in tra- the traditional development space. Um, and so they're able to use our SDK very easily because it's it's basically the same as what they're used to. Um, but the Solidity side in the smart contract, they, they maybe aren't as familiar with Solidity and writing smart contracts. So that um, becomes more of a challenge for them because they'll, they'll either have to learn it or you know maybe hire someone uh, who's already familiar with writing smart contracts. So that's something we're we're actually addressing on on the um, support and education side by we're taking some of our most popular use cases and creating templates for them. So you can actually just drag and not sorry, not drag and drop. You can drop all of this code into your um, your server, your application, and it has all of the the front end um, code available and a corresponding smart contract. So it's it's it has everything you need. The code is already written, and you just really need to make a few tweaks to the code rather than having to learn all of that solidity and, and smart contract coding from scratch. Interesting. And do like cloud functions play any role in that, or um, as far as like abstracting some of that um, smart contract logic? Yeah, so it 
it can the the cloud functions are really more to supplement some of the the functionality so if you wanted to um maybe set up some kind of trigger so every time there's a change in your database maybe someone gets a high score in a game for example um, then it runs some certain code um, that would be i think a, more of the use case in terms of calling functions directly from the contract um, you can do that through the the stk the sk has a function available um, directly so yeah the cloud cloud functions are really um, i would say more like triggers more to uh, supplement the data that's being passed back and forth maybe there's a lookup that needs to be done somewhere else something like that interesting and one also i think really cool thing that has been built is the um, the web3 authentication api mm -hmm. um we are actually leveraging that um I, i'm wondering when it comes to um in, in general so for example you currently support email authentication you, you uh, support web3 authentication i think you recently announced a partnership with magic um i'm wondering like have you seen any use cases where, for example, um, Google SSO and then Web3 authentication is sort of um, implemented? So, for example, for Google SSO to replace email authentication, so there's technically just Web3 authentication and Google SSO or any other SSO, it doesn't have to be Google. I'm just wondering, from your experience or based on what you've seen, have you seen any use cases like that? Um, not not off the top of my head. I I'll, I should brush up with our solutions architect on this just to to get more specifics. But um, in terms of the authentication flow, yeah, with with SSO, I don't I don't know that there has been, I haven't seen anything that's directly related with Google on this. Um, I would say the the smoothest and the quickest experience would be something like like Magic Link, where they're actually creating and sending a link to to sign in rather than I'm using the Google SSO. Yeah, that's a very cool feature actually with Magic Link. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to implementing that hopefully in the next few days. But uh, that's something that I think you you recently uh, released, and I think it's it's super helpful uh, helpful to developers. Um, just for the you know also benefit of the audience i think what would be a best way for example to track some of these new releases or to track um, um or basically like as a member of the development community how much information can you get obviously there's like the, the, the documentation as far as the sdk goes and the technical implementation of different features but what do you recommend to a developer who wants to uh, follow what's happening at the company or to communicate to, to the others? Where can they find the community, number one? Number two, what else would you recommend? Definitely, I would say uh, to follow us on Twitter. So a lot of announcements okay. are coming out there. Also, our YouTube channel. Um, so there's a, a weekly live stream that Ivan does with announcements and, and just to you know keep up with Morales News. Um, as well as the Discord. So our, our Discord server is um, probably one of the, the largest uh, in terms of communities that are working with this, the platform. Excellent. And one kind of last thing in closing is that, and I'll let you elaborate on this one, but basically I, uh, my understanding is the morale start, started like um, uh, kind of online academy mm -hmm. uh, for e-learning. 
and then you sort of branch out into platform becoming a you know product companies from the perspective of building this platform so what i found very useful as someone that was initially obviously new to morales and then at the same time learning all the parts of the sdks like that there's so much information on youtube how to build different not only apps but also specific like features within the uh the whole like sdk so i think that's super useful uh you have a uh, that, that that's huge i think for to penetrate into a developer market is to is to really you know teach us how to use these things uh but maybe if you want to just kind of highlight how this whole transition happened from e-learning to um web3 yeah absolutely and um i think that's one of the the main things that really sets Morales and our community apart is we are very focused on the education and community aspects. Um, so in, uh, I think in 2017, the Morales Academy was was created. Um, back then it was the Ivan Tech Academy, but basically that um, trains and, and educates uh, professional blockchain developers. So it can take you from uh, not knowing how to program at all to, to doing that as your full-time job. So um, there are, you know, probably almost, I don't know off the top of my head, but maybe hundreds of thousands of developers that have come out of that community. Um, and after working so much with them and seeing what a lot of those pain points were, I think it just became clear that that there is a better way to to build um, Web3 solutions, Web3 architecture, and really just simplify this uh, for the developers who are, are coming into this space and just want to get their project up and running. Excellent. Dom, thank you very much this was an absolute pleasure uh to learn more about morales and uh, to learn about your experience and your background so thank you for being on apple podcast and have a great rest of your day absolutely thanks happy to be here